How's it going, everybody? My name is Clayton Horde, and I'm the new host for the Kentucky Crew Podcast. In today's episode, we'll be hearing from Aaron Kersey, who actually serves on staff here with Crew in Central Kentucky. Aaron will be kicking off our series, Title Friends. It is a series that will have us take a biblical look at the connections that we've been created for and what exactly characterizes godly friendships. In today's episode, Aaron will be going over the topic of vulnerability. And with that in mind, he'll be answering several questions such as, what does it mean to be vulnerable? Why is it so hard for us to be vulnerable? How has Jesus changed our relationship to be more known? And how does this look to be lived out? All those questions will be answered in today's episode. So without further ado, let's get into it. Guys, my name is Aaron, like, uh, like everyone, Colin, and everyone said, uh, if I haven't gotten the chance to meet you yet, uh, allow me to introduce myself. Like I said, I'm Aaron Kersey. I serve on staff here with Crew uh, in Central Kentucky. And tonight we get to kick off our series entitled Friends. So let me introduce you guys to my best friend, my wife Sarah. Uh, sweet, right? Yep. Uh, so actually, Sarah and I this month, uh, we celebrated our 15th year anniversary, which is big stuff. So in the picture, let me introduce you to the rest of my family. Uh, we have two biological children, Asher. He's in the middle. He's nine. Uh, and then as well as Micah, who turned two this summer. Uh, and I know what you might be thinking. There's three kids in that picture. And there are. Uh, <clears throat> we're also state-certified foster parents. Uh, in winter, she turned two in March. Uh, and she's been in our care since December. But what some of you may know, but most of you probably don't realize, is that there's actually a fourth kid in this photo. Uh, you may already know, but Sarah's currently in her second trimester. And we're so excited to have another baby Kersey coming in February of next year. And so now that, uh, so now that you know some of my best friends, I would like to take uh, a little bit to introduce you to our series uh, that we're doing. We're kicking off tonight. Uh, and if you couldn't tell from the graphic on the screen, it's entitled Friends. Um, and we're, we're taking a biblical look at the connections that we've all been created for. So why friends? Why is this topic so important to the life of a believer in 2023? You might be thinking, television, pop culture, movies, they've given us some great examples of good, solid friendships, so why do we need a whole series dedicated to it? And while we do have some really good examples of, of close relationships uh, in those uh, genres, such as Timon and Pumbaa, we've got uh, Hitchcock and Scully from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, the classic duo of Woody and Buzz, and in my opinion, the best friendship to ever grace uh, the TV screen, uh, Ann Perkins and Leslie Nope from uh, Parks and Rec. And so while we have these great examples, none of these examples give us a glimpse into the godly friendships that we've been created for and the role that those friendships play in helping us to walk closer to Jesus. So we're leading off the semester because this is important. According to a 2018 report by the Henry J. Kaiser Family Foundation, 22% of all adults in the United States say that they often or always feel lonely or socially isolated. A national 2019 survey led by the health insurer Cigna found that 61% of Americans report feeling lonely. And in 2017, uh, former U.S. Surgeon General uh, Vivek Murthy called loneliness uh, a public health ep epidemic. 
And just a year later, the United Kingdom actually appointed a minister for loneliness. It seems that even though we are more connected now than we've ever been before through technology, through social media, we are lacking in quality friendships where we are known and we love deeply. So because of this, over the next few weeks, we're going to be uh, taking a deeper look into the, different, um, into the different things that characterize godly friendships. We'll be looking at the why behind those characteristics as well as the ways in which um, these friendships are lived out. Tonight, I get the pleasure of kicking us off by looking at the topic of vulnerability and being known. We'll look at what it means to be vulnerable, why it's so hard for us to be vulnerable, and then also how Jesus changes our relationships to be, to be more known with our brothers and sisters in Christ, as well as how it looks practically lived out in our lives. But before we get into this, let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for uh, just this evening. Lord, every student in this, in this place, God, such a, a cool place to be in a, in a classroom building that, you know, Monday through Friday is for uh, higher learning. But God, we get, to, we get to have an eternal learning tonight. I thank you for your, for your spirit who is here. Uh, bless, this, um, bless this time with you, Father. Thank you so much. Amen. So, what does it even mean for us to be vulnerable? What does it mean for us to be known? Vulnerability is defined as this. Willingness to show emotion or to allow one's weaknesses to be seen or known. Willingness to risk being emotionally hurt. Now this definition, it kind of sounds like the opposite of everything that our society and culture uh, teaches and exemplifies. Showing emotion is seen as a, as a weakness, as a sign of weakness, which is something that is to be avoided at all costs. We're told not to show emotion, not to have any weakness, and especially not to allow our weaknesses to be known with those around us. And then when I was thinking about this, I was trying to write this, this, uh, this talk, when I was thinking about the concept of weakness in our culture, uh, it made me think about a scene from The Office. And for those of you who know me, uh, I love The Office. Uh, if you've ever been to our house, we have a quote board and it only reads office quotes all the time. Uh, actually, I think that one of my spiritual gifts is actually relating any situation to the office. <laughs> Literally almost anything. Uh, so, but in one of the episodes, Michael uh, is interviewing for a position with the corporate offices. And he's interviewing with his boss, David Wallace, and Michael is asked the question, what are your weaknesses? Michael responds with, uh, his weaknesses is, I work too hard, I care too much, and sometimes I can be too invested in my job. Well, this is like a really like silly example. Oh, sorry. He also goes on to say the quote that was up there. He says, uh, my weaknesses are actually my greatest strength. And while this is somewhat silly, it's kind of like a, a crazy example, uh, I think it shows that our culture, or as a culture, we often try to downplay our weaknesses. We don't want people to see those. And we want to make it look like our, our weaknesses aren't actually that bad, but they're actually our strengths. We want to appear to be successful at everything. And we hide our emotions and weaknesses behind a facade that never shows our true selves. <coughs> and vulnerability requires us to show who we really are. It means we must be known. And so what does it mean for us to be known as our true selves? I think the best definition and example uh, that we see of this uh, is how God knows us. Right? We talk about it a lot of times, God loves me, God loves me. But in Psalm 139, we see what it's meant uh, that God loves us and God knows us. This passage shows that we are completely known by God. Buckle up, it's a little longer, but I think the, the scripture speaks for itself. It's really, it's really good. So Psalm 139, 
uh, starting in verse 1. It says, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all my ways. Before a word is even on my tongue, you know all about it. Lord, you have encircled me. You have placed your hand on me. This wondrous knowledge is beyond me. It's lofty. I'm unable to reach it. Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I fly on the wings of the dawn and settle down on the western horizon, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light around me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous, and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All the days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. God, how precious your thoughts are to me, how vast their sum is. If I counted them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake up, I am still with you. So we see in this passage how intimately and how deeply God knows us. And I think down deep, even if it's scary, which it is, it's really scary to be known, we all desire to be known in this way because it's the way that we were created. You see, God created us. And if we go all the way back to the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, we actually see the details of our creation. Verses 26 and 27 say, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, According to our likeness, they will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So we see here that so, so God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created the male and female. And so we see here that we are made in the image of God, like it says, which is pretty amazing. But if we look at the, at the beginning part of that verse, we see that God says, let us. That's a plural noun, obviously. Uh, and so God existed before creation. It shows this. He created for eternity past. He lived in perfect community with himself as the Trinity with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so if you're anything like me, that whole concept can really be kind of super confusing. Maybe it makes your brain hurt. It does me sometimes if I try to think about it too deeply. But at the bottom line of that is that God is and always has been in community. And since he made us in his image, we are also to be in community. We're made to have friends, to be known by our friends, and to love each other deeply. But so why don't we have this? Why, why is there such a blockade to being uh, truly vulnerable and having true community with people? Why does it seem to go against our nature and seem so awkward and so uncomfortable? And I think we see the answer to this in the same story we were just reading in, in Genesis 1. But we fast forward to Genesis 3. And uh, as we see uh, this play out in the lives of Adam and Eve, they were living in the perfect world with one instruction and one instruction only. They said, do not eat from this tree. If you haven't read this far, spoiler alert, it's coming. They didn't listen. You might know that. They didn't listen. Uh, so the story ends with them disobeying God and bringing sin and brokenness into a world 
that was made originally perfect. And then picking up in verse 7, then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So the Lord called out to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So what do we see Adam and Eve do after they sin? They sow fig leaves to cover themselves and to cover their shame. And when God enters the picture, they go on and hide, it, hide from him because they're truly afraid. They're fearful. So we see in these verses the entrance of fear and shame into the world. Into the world. Fear and shame. These are two of the biggest obstacles to true vulnerability and truly being known by those around us. And so just like Adam and Eve, <clears throat> just like they covered themselves with fig leaves to hide from God, we do the same things. We cover ourselves with fig leaves and hide ourselves from those around us. But our fig leaves aren't actual leaves. Our fig leaves come in many forms. They come in the form of shallow friendships. They come in the form of our status, our wealth, our work, sex, our GPA, our five-year plan, our sports teams, our fandoms and our social media presence. But whatever your fig, form your fig leaf takes, we use them for the exact same purpose as Adam and Eve. We want to hide our true selves because we're ashamed and, or we're afraid of what will happen if people truly know who we are, weaknesses and all. And so I want to look now, like, how does Jesus change this? This is pretty cool stuff, but how does Jesus change this? And I would about guarantee that everybody in here, at some point or another, and maybe right even at this moment, you might be struggling with this. How do I, like, why, how can I be vulnerable with people? Struggle with letting people into our lives because of the fear of being known, or, or maybe the shame, the shame associated with our sin keeps us from being known. But the good news is that God doesn't leave us in our shame. He doesn't leave us on our own to figure this out. And if we continue on in the story of Genesis... So right after they make their own fig leaves, God doesn't leave them in their self-made fig leaf coverings anymore. And yeah, there were consequences for their sin. We know that. But in verse 21, it says, And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. And it might not be immediately uh, obvious upon reading that, but this animal sacrifice uh, that was made to provide Adam and Eve with clothing, it actually points us to a greater sacrifice that comes one day through Jesus. And, the best, and that's the best news of all. You see, the one event that we've been looking at in Genesis all the way through this, uh, it changed the trajectory for every single person in history. It changed your history. It changed my history. It changes everything. You know, Romans 5.12 says this. It says, Just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way death spread to all people because all have sinned. We can't escape it. We can't escape this thing called sin. We can't escape... Uh, our true nature, who we really are. Romans 3.23 puts it in this way. It says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And just like in the story from Genesis, there's a consequence for our sin. Adam and Eve were made to leave the garden, and at the same time they were made to leave God's presence entirely. And in the same way, our sin separates us from God. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. We're all given a wage for our sin, and that sin is, that, that wage is death. But we're not talking about a physical one here. Uh, by a raise of hands, um, 
I'm about guaranteed no one's going to raise their hand. Who has known anyone that has lived forever? Man, I was right. Nobody. Yeah. See, we all die. We're all going to die. So this isn't talking about a physical death. This is actually talking about an eternal death. That's a separation from God and from, from his presence. Our sin creates this huge gap between us and the Lord and a gap that we can't overcome on our own no matter what we do, no matter how many good things we do, how many church services we attend, or how many prayers we pray. <laughs> this is where Jesus comes in. He came to this earth to be our sacrifice and to pay that penalty for us. In 1 Peter 3.18 it says, For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous, that's Jesus, for the unrighteous, that's you guys and that's me, that he might bring you to God, he was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. And we didn't have to earn this for ourselves. Jesus literally did all the work. Literally everything. We can't do anything. We didn't even have to even get cleaned up for that. Like We didn't have to clean ourselves up so that we could take advantage of that sacrifice. He did that for us as well. Romans 5.8, this is, this is probably my favorite verse in all of scripture. He says, but God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He made a way for us to once again live in the presence of God. He covers our shame and our sin in a better way than we can ever do with ourselves. Just like God made animal skin clothes for Adam and Eve, Jesus covered us with the blood of the cross. And this seems too good to be true. It seems like this would be impossible. But let me tell you something. That's, that's the crazy thing. It isn't hard. It's easy. It's a free gift that God has given to us the people that he created in his image out of his great love for us. All we have to do is put our trust in the fact that, the fact that Jesus is who he says he is, that he died uh, and lived the life that we couldn't live, and he died to pay the price that we could never pay. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 puts it real simply. It says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and it is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And so I ask this question, how does this play into our ability to live lives of vulnerability? Because God has put our sin and shame to death with Jesus. We no longer have to live to be, uh, we no longer have to be insecure and fearful about being known and loved by him. And by extension, known and loved by others. When we know that we are truly loved by God with a greater love than we could ever possibly comprehend, it allows us to open up to others and find that friendship uh, where we can be vulnerable that we've been talking about. Our identity is no longer found in, in what we do or the fig leaves in which we used to cover ourselves up with. It is now found in Jesus. And with that comes freedom, both to love others and to allow others to love us. And one way that I've kind of seen this, uh, in, the impact of vulnerability play out in the, in the real world is actually in my own life. So... So when I was younger and in my college days, and actually still to this day sometimes, uh, the fig leaf that, that I chose to cover my sin and my shame with was the one of shallow friendships. I thought that if I could just appear like I had it all together, then that would be enough. I grew up in a Christian home, probably like a lot of you guys. I went to church basically whenever the doors were open. I was the Christian kid in high school. I got to lead in my youth group and also spoke at our, like, our graduating classes, faith-based services the day before graduation. And all of this happened while um, 
really not having a deep, intimate relationship with, who Jesus, with, with the real Jesus. My walk with Christ was based on, on the things that I did. My faith was, was basically just a checklist. And when I got to college in the year that, surprisingly, some of you were born. It makes me feel old, but that's okay. Um, this facade of the good Christian kid, I packed that in my brag, and I brought it with me to my dorm, and I unloaded it on myself as I walked around campus. My whole value and identity were found in what other people thought of me. Because this seemed like, uh, and because of this, it seemed like I was living with like constant stress, constant anxiety, uh, and just thinking that if anyone were to ever like find out who I really was, they would hate me, and everything would fall to pieces. So what did I do to escape? Did I escape this shame and uh, and sin? What I did is I bounced around from friend group to friend group, making new relationships over and over and over and over again. I did that so that I could keep everyone at an arm's length. I wouldn't let anybody in. On the outside, I was happy, and I was this like go-lucky kind of crazy guy that loved the Lord. But on the inside, I was a wreck, knowing that my life on the outside was fake. I was scared to let my true self be known because of the shame that I felt over my sin and because of the fear that if people really knew me, they would hate me. And that's when Jesus met me where I was. You see, I started my relationship with Jesus when I was six years old, but it wasn't until college that the depths of the gospel really took root in my life. I realized that I didn't have to hide, uh, hide from God or feel shame. He loved me even though I was still a sinner. I got plugged into a community of guys that cared about me, and they showed me what vulnerability actually looked like. Guys in my Bible study would share things uh, in our group that I was too ashamed to share. It was the same stuff. And no one ever shamed them or made them feel less than for sharing. Instead, the guys pointed them to Jesus and helped them walk through some really tough spots. This group helped me to see who God was, how he loves me, and it helped shape who I am today. They helped point me to Jesus and find my true value and worth, not in what others thought about me, or the amount of relationships that I was able to manage, but instead, in Jesus. I firmly believe that it weren't for those guys uh, in that Bible study that I would still be living out my faith as just a checkbox Christian. I wouldn't have a relationship with Jesus that I do now. And I'm not saying that it's easy to be vulnerable, because it's not, or that my relationship with Jesus is perfect, because it is not. And that's a lie, if I said it was. Uh, but what I'm saying is that vulnerability, even though it's hard, is worth it. It's totally worth it. I still have people now, like I've continued from season to season in my life to have guys uh, and people in my life that I can be truly known with and truly vulnerable with. People who know me and then still love me, just like Jesus does. So being, tr being vulnerable and, and, and known is truly a way to experience the goodness of God, and we were created for that. So why not live like it? And so I know I've been talking for a little bit now, and I've been throwing out a bunch of stuff that you, for you to hear, uh, but I, I want you to think back to my original like, definition of what vulnerability was. The very last section of that is what I really like. It says, it is the willingness to risk being emotionally hurt. And it's just that. It's a risk. I won't lie and say that every time you open up to somebody, uh, it's going to end great. That's just not true. There's a possibility of being hurt. 
But we can have confidence that the love and grace of God can heal that hurt and allow us to be able to continue to try to open up to others. I actually love the way that C.S. Lewis puts uh, uh, his, his spin on being vulnerable. He says, to love at all is to be vulnerable. To love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. That strikes a chord. I have a chocolate lab. I love her very much. <clears throat> we want to wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, and irredeemable. And you might be sitting there thinking, man, this is, all, this is all good stuff, but how in the world do I take what I've heard and apply it into my own life? And I'm of the opinion that knowledge for knowledge's sake is just kind of dumb. Like, don't tell your professors that, don't tell my eighth grade math teacher that, but knowledge for knowledge's sake is just kind of dumb. And I think the key to knowing things is applying them in my life, uh, in my everyday life. So you may be asking yourself too, like, how do I apply this? How do I, how do I make this true for me? And the most important thing you can do is to get involved with a community of believers where you can be known without the fear of shame. Think about the people that you're closest to. Be honest with yourself and answer these questions. Am I being open and honest with these people? Am I being open? Uh, am I able to share the hard things in my life with them? Or am I continuing <clears throat> to cover myself with the fig leaves that I have so hard, uh, so, so like crafted for myself? If the answer to that question is that you're still hiding and you don't fully uh, feel like you can be truly known, uh, then st start taking steps towards vulnerability. And that could look different depending on uh, where you are right now. If you have people that you're close to that you can start being more, more vulnerable with, then maybe that looks like being intentional in that relationship. Grabbing lunch or grabbing coffee and opening up to them and asking them to ask you the hard questions. If you don't have people you feel close to, maybe that's your first step. Maybe it's growing relationships with those safe people in your life to move towards vulnerability. Look for people in your life who love the Lord and start building friendships that's rooted in Jesus and what he's done for us. Take a risk, because that's what vulnerability is. It's a risk. Take a risk and open up about your life and your struggles and ask that person to help you grow in your relationship uh, with them and also with God, with, with the Lord. And I'm not saying that you need to open up uh, to literally everybody. Don't spill the tea with every person that you know. But look for safe people who love the Lord and intentionally cultivate relationships with those people. If you don't know anyone here, that's okay too. If you're new, you're by yourself, that's fine. We have a bunch of people here that would love uh, to get to know you more. We like to say that we're a family. And actually, I want to be ava as available as possible uh, to you as best I can because I know that approaching somebody in a scenario like this with someone you don't know, it's really intimidating. So on the screen behind me, there's a phone number. It's mine. If you want to know more about anything that I've talked about tonight, I encourage you to send me a text. Put your number on there. I want to meet with you, or I want to connect you with someone who can meet with you as well. If you're wondering, how do I even start this relationship with Jesus? Like, I'm in this room, and I'm like, I don't know what that means. 
just saying this all, and you know what that is? Come talk to me. Nothing would thrill me more than to introduce you to a man that changed my life. And he, can, he does the same for each and every person here. Here in a second, I'm going to pray, and the band is going to come up back and lead us in some more worship. Um, but my number is going to stay on the screen while they, while they come up and while I pray. So if you're wanting to be connected to Jesus for the first time in your whole life, or if you just want to be connected to our family here at Crew, I encourage you, please take the time that I am praying to send me a text or take a picture, just text me later. So thank you guys so much. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for just who you are. The fact that you, you came and you died on a cross for a sinner such as I. Lord, you, um, you know us completely and fully. God, you allow us to be known by others. Lord, it's just a, an awesome representation uh, here on earth that we get to experience with other image bearers of, of you. Thank you so much for this. God, I pray that um, if anyone here is tonight like, just curious about what it looks like to follow Jesus, God, give them the boldness to, to send that text or to, to come up to anyone, anyone here, Lord, any staff or any student leader, or just to ask the question. Lord, thank you so much for this night and for who you are. Amen. Wow, I found what Aaron talked about to be very relatable to me personally. There were a couple things that really stood out to me throughout Aaron's teaching. Number one, God made us to be in a community. However, obstacles such as fear and shame often cause us to not show our true selves to one another. Number two, being vulnerable is not always going to go well. However, through God, we can have peace as we open up. And lastly, number three, as a Christian, it is important to find a community of believers that you can open up to as well as be intentional with. And I say that primarily because through vulnerability, not only do we grow closer to one another, but we also grow closer to the Lord, which that's all very important. And with all that being said, thank you for tuning in this week. I'm your host, Clayton Horde, and I hope to find you all right back here next week. Thank you for listening to the Kentucky Crew Podcast. Crew is a family captivated by the joy of knowing Christ, united under a call to make him known. You can follow Kentucky Crew on Instagram at UK Crew to learn more.